Alex, I woke up this morning, looked outside, and was like, oh, look, some little flurries. You know, it was snowing yesterday, and I liked that. What I don't like is waking up and realizing it's uh, 14 degrees outside. Ooh, yeah, that's a... Uh... Oh, that's a rough one. Yeah, it got down into the uh, the high 30s this weekend here, but that was as far as it went. Uh, mostly it's just been raining, like really cold rain. That's not good either. Yeah, that's not fun. But yeah, I looked up immediately after seeing how cold it was here. I was like, I wonder how cold it is in New York. It's like, oh, this week it's going to be a high of 54 at some point. I was like, oh, this week it's like a high of like 23. It's negative, oh. negative one with a wind chill in certain parts of Chicago today. So we've officially hit negative temperatures if you are in a wind a windy area. It's just isn't isn't wind chill bullshit? It's That's always really, been my understanding is that wind chill is just kind of a made up thing. Not when you're in the middle of it. Okay, fair enough. I mean, it's one of those things that yes, it it cannot feel at all what they're describing if you're, you know, the way it's, you know, windier downtown than it is, you know, where I am. So, mm-hmm. you know, yesterday it was pretty pleasant, actually. Uh, and then we went all the way downtown near the lake uh, to go tailgate for the Bears game. And it's like the magnitude's more miserable all the way down there just because the, the wind whips why, around. Why would you even go outside during any of that? Why would you ever leave your apartment? What? Why? I... I have no beef with tailgating. I think it is a perfectly mm-hmm. uh, sound American tradition. I'm all for it. But my God, man, my God, is it really worth that? Because this is my life for at least the next four months. So you need to just you need to just grab the bull by the horns, face it head on, and realize you got to start realizing your deficiencies in your clothing, right? So you you get out there, you spend you know 90 minutes in the cold, and you start to realize, okay, I'm good here, my feet. I fucked up on my feet. My socks are not prepared for this. I need to buy some alpaca socks. I need to get some extra layers for uh, my pants because I'm going to the Bears game next week. And that's just three and a half hours of sitting outside combined with two hours of sitting outside for tailgating. So I, to, this week was a test run. I needed to know exactly where my weaknesses were so I can, I can smooth those out for uh, Soldier Field next Sunday. Two things. One, uh, I really like the idea of you beta testing your your uh, winter weather gear uh, in various uh, real life conditions to make sure that you have the best possible coverage. Yes, that's great. Secondly, before I realized you were talking about four months of winter, I thought you were talking about the Bears season, and I thought, boy, that seems awfully ambitious based <laughs> on their current record. Yeah, we're gonna go beyond the Super Bowl, right? It's yeah. the Super Bowl's well, usually late January, early February. I guess I don't know. Let's just say February. So yeah. that's you know that that that's that's like three months. But still, that would have been really impressive if that's what you thought the next four months no, of your life God, was going to no, be like. Was tailgating at Bears games? No, not going to not going to happen. Not going to happen. Also, your door just opened like a ghost. A ghost. Yeah, no, that's a cat. That, that so you? when that happens, that means a cat has just entered the room. There are no ghosts. Spooky door. Unless there are cat ghosts in here somewhere. I don't. I don't know. I guess but, that's possible. Yeah, that's 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 all cats. So, yeah, it's cold, but that's, you know, it's cold in late November in Chicago, like News at 11. What worries me is it got, it dipped into about where it is right now a couple weeks later last year. It happened um, like just after Thanksgiving. And, or maybe, no, maybe that was two years ago. Either way, sort of besides the point. So I have this 
thing I have to do this year. Um, we're going to my parents' lake house. We go there every other year for Thanksgiving. And as part of this tradition that some other f- family friends started, as a way of remembering those you have lost, we jump in the lake. And You've told me about this. And it's one thing to jump. It's a stupid idea to begin with, right? So it's it's a miserable experience, although I think it's pretty fun. But it's, by and large, a miserable experience, even when it's, you know, 38. What we're mm-hmm. trending towards is that it might be like 18. And although that doesn't, you know, the difference between, you know, maybe like 75 and like 55, like maybe that doesn't feel like a whole lot. But like the difference between like 35 and 15 is a lot. Yeah, that's, that is a significant difference uh, when it comes to your bare skin touching it. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't have a choice. This is something that I have to do because I signed up for it. It's, 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 it is what it is, but I'm not, I'm not excited about it. You're saying there was no opt-out clause on this. No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think you get to opt out on it. I don't, I don't think that's quite, quite how this uh, traditions work. You don't want to be the guy who bucks the tradition. But Yeah, that's fair. You're just going to get made fun of forever. But, I mean, like, what if you're... What if you're in poor health? What if you have a heart condition? Do you at some point get to say, "Look, I just can't do this anymore"? I think so, but I, okay. but I but I don't have that. So well, not yet. But I'm saying, <laughs> you know, do this enough times, you might start to develop one. <laughs> just some sort of like it's like a, a like an evolutionary force. It's just my body goes. You can't stop doing this. We're gonna develop not a heart condition that will you know seriously harm you in any way, but just enough. So that you don't have to jump in this lake anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying that your body may develop a defense mechanism against you doing stupid shit like that. Yeah. Uh, some people are asking about the Polar Bear Club. The Polar Bear Club, I don't know if that's exclusive to Chicago or not. That might just be the universal term for swimming in... I think a, they have many chapters. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's, it's a uh, group of people that, you know, it's, or it's a... You know, the Polar Bear Club or people who get together and jump in the water when it's freezing cold out. Basically, you jump in... You know, public, you know, lakes and oceans when it's winter time, and you shouldn't be doing something like that. And they do it anyway. It's a rush. It hey, you want to remember that you're alive? Jump in the water when it's uh, you know sub thirty degrees out. You will remember that you are alive, and you will wish that you were not any longer. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. Depending on so the the trick to it is, you got to make sure you jump first or as close to first as possible. Because what ends up happening is someone hesitates, and then they jump in, but then realize, oh, no, there's only two ladders, and there are, like, 15 people. So it is in your... Yeah, so you're stuck in there. Exactly. It is in your best interest to be right out of the gate when the gun is shot or, you know, someone screams go, get in that water, submerge your head, come out, get out of that, get out of that ladder and get the hell out. Uh, when I did this a couple of years ago, uh, a good friend of mine uh, up there uh, did it with us, and I don't know what came over me, but as he was climbing the ladder, I grabbed him by the swim trunks and just threw him back in, and then oh. and then took his spot and climbed up the ladder. And then after I'd done that, he then had to wait like four or five people to, to get out to, to go up the ladder. When I did it, the look that he gave me was not one of anger. 
it was one of just just why like why would you, <laughs> why would you do this to another human being this is not oh this is cruel cruel it was that just, is... just you saw just all of the blood go oh. out of his face and just sadness was there instead well, sadness and also just like ice water like man that is savage man why would you do that to another person why i mean look believe me i as soon as the apocalypse hits i am the one who is going to be fucking you know stealing everyone's supplies setting other things on fire just because i can like i'm i'm going to cause chaos while also looking out for number one so i i have i sort of respect that on a certain level but holy shit man <laughs> <laughs> what did he do to you existed was there oh. in front of me it was really funny. It was really funny. I've had to buy him a bunch of drinks since then, so you know my my punishment has been doled out monetarily uh, in, the, in okay. the time since. I I basically owe him a beer till the end of time, or at least till he gets me back, uh, and then we're and then we're evened out. A beer for every extra second he had to spend in that water. Yeah, yeah, or every degree that his core body temperature dropped as a result of it. Um, mm. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So I'm I'm stealing myself for that in in a couple of weeks because it's coming, and it it happens just far enough away from the last one that I you sort of forget how bad it is and you kind of get excited that you're doing something really stupid and ridiculous, um, and then you do it and you realize God, this is I need to stop doing this. The great traditions of the American North, man. Holy hell! <laughs> hey, hey, we get bored here in the Midwest. Things happen, you know. When you're when you're yeah. stuck inside for for four months, you find excuses to go outside. They aren't necessarily the best ones. No. That said, uh, I still prefer greatly prefer having these incredibly cold seasons uh, to the whole thing in California of not having seasons. Uh, despite growing up primarily around that, uh, I, I've generally found myself kind of grateful. For, you know, the snowstorms and the slush and all the bullshit. Like, yeah, after a certain point, I would like it to go away. But I'm glad that I have it. Like, it turned cold. It's been rainy. It's been shitty the last few weeks. And I don't care. I've been enjoying the hell out of it. Brisk winds, buttoning up, like, big old winter coats. I love it. Love having it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I missed the winter when I was in California. I certainly appreciated the idea of being in the second week of December and I was wearing shorts and I was sweating. Sure. I, I liked that. Absolutely. But... Yeah, I'm a I'm a Midwest kid. You know, I I actually enjoy this weather to a great extent. You know, you got to bundle appropriately, but once done so, there is uh, I don't yeah I love snow and I'm I terribly missed it the seven years I was away from it, and I I I really enjoy that part of being back for sure. So you're gonna you're gonna make lots of snowmen and snow angels as soon as it starts snowing. It never. S- <laughs> I mean, you're in the city, right? Yeah, so it's not like you have, it, like, a yard really you can go run out and, like, build shit on. Yeah, it never really stuck enough uh, last last year. We never got enough snow to really do stuff like that too often. Um, there's a park near me. I should maybe I should try and do that this year. I'm going to build a snowman. Give it a shot. Why not? When was the last time you built a snowman? <sighs> a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. I'll do that for you. Thank you. There was Appreciate a guy... That. Um, we'll get the games in a second, but there, when Katie and I were walking to, um, the train to take downtown to, to go tailgating, we're walking down one of the main strips near our place and 
there was a like light, you know, some some flurries that actually stuck on Saturday night, and there wasn't a lot of snowfall on Sunday morning, but enough that like, cow, uh, the cars were coated with it. And we started walking down the street, and we noticed someone had drawn a penis on a car. Common, you see that a lot, because how can you not draw a penis on a car? But then I noticed there's a second one, and there's a third one, and there's a fourth one, stretching on for six, seven blocks, going from one side of the street to the other, more than 30 penises. A, a true commitment to the cause of drawing penises on a car. That, that's art, man. It is. Or I thought, as I tweeted out about it, you know, the reveal of a new supervillain <laughs> running around the streets of Chicago, leaving his mark in the form of crudely drawn uh, penises on. No, it's windows. just like a, it's like an environmental artist, like Christo, you know, he's at, or fucking Banksy, he's out there, you know, making his big art project. Only in this case, it's just making dicks on cars in the snow. Yeah, it was. The commitment was impressive because doing it once, twice, three, four times. Sure, I get it. 20, 30 plus? Wow. That's a dick commitment, man. It really is. It really is. So I'm I'm hoping that he wasn't just a passerby, just sort of a uh, someone that was just happened to be in the neighborhood. I'm hoping that uh, the penis man comes comes around. That's terrible. I who wants to <laughs> that's a terrible statement to come out of someone's mouth. <laughs> I hope he continues to draw in our neighborhood. I hope he's a neighborhood artist, I guess is what I'm trying to say. The local neighborhood dick man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's ter- that's that sounds like something that the cops are looking for, but for wholly different reasons. I think there was actually a Brooklyn Nine Nine episode about a guy who was going around drawing dicks on police cars. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds yeah. that's a suitable premise. Uh, so what, you, what about you? What did you get up to this weekend? Did you did you play any video games? Did you do any stuff? It's not. Did I did a number of different things. Uh-huh. Uh, before I get into the video games, okay. uh, I went and saw Birdman. Yeah, which was good. A movie Thumbs I've up. Been, uh, no. What? Yeah. You're that what you're that one guy? No, I don't think I'm that one guy. I think there are a lot of people who probably feel the way I do. That is a movie with enormous promise that does not make good on it. Hmm. Uh I will So I, I am not the biggest fan of the director, uh Inaritu, who he's he's made some some good stuff before, but he also made that really terrible uh Javier Bardem movie Beautiful a couple of years ago. He made Babel that really kind of ponderous, sort mm-hmm. of awful Brad Pitt, uh, Kate Blanchett movie. Yeah. Real sour, real unpleasant director in a lot of ways. Uh, and this movie is unfortunately tinged with a little too much of that for my taste. Very, like, it, it kind of reads like uh, someone who is incredibly bitter about his art not being received well by critics. So he made this movie, which is mostly about a struggling actor trying to make his art in the theater and getting pushback from everyone who doesn't take him seriously. Well, it seems um, like the, the one of the there were two ways to. I haven't seen the film, so um, but that you know it's a you know it's, it's a giant critique of our current superhero culture. But it seems like from your perspective, it's far too tainted by this artist's own frustration with how his art is received, as opposed to just being a sort of uh, critique of how much we have celebrated and perhaps over-celebrated superhero culture in our current cinemas. 
uh, yeah, it, options. It, it has a little, it, it definitely has that, but it's also not focused enough to really make a, a solid statement on that at all. It, it It's really just, I don't know, it's a very wanky movie in the wrong ways. Like, it is, you watch the trailer for that movie and you think, okay, it's going to be this really bizarre head trip of this guy just slowly losing his mind as he tries to make this play or whatever. The first two thirds of the movie have almost none of that. There are like pieces of it. It's there. You know, you kind of see him start to lose it here and there. But for the most part, he's keeping it together. And it's just a lot of actors yelling at each other. And shockingly, those are the best parts of the movie mm. because there are multiple characters. They're starting to get fleshed out in a meaningful way. It feels like it's going somewhere. Then the last third is when it just goes like full head trip and it goes nowhere. It has nothing to say after that point. It has nothing to offer. And it just takes like it's just like a hard left turn that does not go like does not end up in a meaningful place and by the by the end of it i was just sort of frustrated with it and just hoping it would end because i was super sad i really liked michael keaton in that movie he gives a great performance there are a lot of great performances in that movie but the story is just so childishly indignant about so many different things and it never finds a way to piece them together into a coherent whole uh, by the end of it and by the last scene, which is one of the most obnoxious fucking things, uh, I was just so ready for that movie to be over. And I'm really sad about that because I was really looking forward to it. It looked like it sounded like a great movie. It sounded like something I would be super into, but was not a fan at all. Good trailers. Very good trailers. That's they promoted bad. it well. That's too just bad. Just not a great movie. Well, also Michael watch Keaton, it. But no, that Michael is, Keaton rules. You have, uh, you have relegated it to iTunes status yeah I, I think it's probably worth watching you know if, if the premise interested you at all i just like i'm glad i saw it i will probably never watch that movie again yeah i, I also i like michael keaton quite a bit and it was cool to see him yeah. in something interesting again it has been it has been a while i thought the way we were going to see michael keaton again was in a sad crappy beetlejuice sequel which i'm sure will still happen but that it just would have bummed me out if that was the only reason we saw Michael Keaton in a relevant role again. Yeah, it's not. It, Michael Keaton should be in. He should be doing anything he wants wherever he wants. Uh, I'm if if this movie does something to bring him more back into the public uh, consciousness, then it has done enough for me, and I'm willing to forgive its existence uh, if it, if it makes Michael Keaton a thing again. But uh, that said, the movie itself is not very good. Well, that's a bummer. Um, some people in the chat have been asking. I still, you, I don't think you're allowed to talk about it yet, but you've been playing WWE 2K15 for current gen machines, but you, you're still embargoed. Your mouth is, is, is wired shut, right? Yeah, I, we would have had to uh, hold the show until midnight tonight if we wanted to hit the embargo for that's that one, and that probably would... Still a morning show. It would, it would have technically been the... Well, for me, it would have been the morning. <laughs> for you, it would have been still the previous day at night. So, I I don't know. Um, but, yeah, we'll be able to talk about that later. I will have some thoughts on that uh, a little later this week. Uh, but, I so yeah, I've been playing a lot of that. I did manage to also sink in a few hours of uh, AC Rogue here uh, just to kind of get a, a taste of it and see how it is. Um, Remember Black Flag? Yep. So, they made that again. Well... I can't tell if that's a good thing, but it's that's better than Unity. So it's like that's how that math that's how that math problem works for me. Like, what I a Black Flag sequel that is probably just mostly derivative. Would I like that more than Unity? Yes, but I would like that less than something brand new. Yeah, I 
I don't know how I feel about it yet, and I'm not far enough into it to have like a really strong opinion of it one way or the other. But I will say, I was immediately struck by just how a direct sequel to Black Flag it is. Like it is, it like you get in there, you you're on an island at the very first mission. Yeah, like art, kind of a lot of art assets are reused, right? I've, I've, oh yeah, oh yeah. You can you can kind of see that they where what the stuff that they reused. You're on a boat within like the first 15, 20 minutes of the game. They the 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 future stuff it takes place in that same goddamn game development office oh. that the stuff took place in Black Flag. Uh, yeah, they 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 really really reused a lot of stuff for this game. Now I've heard from some people that some of the mission design, especially some of the stuff later in the game, is actually really good. Uh, so that kind of makes up for some of the sameness a little bit. I haven't gotten that far yet. We'll see how it goes, but I was very much struck by this feeling of like, holy shit, this really is the direct-to-video sequel to the game that I played last year. Like, and, and it is not even <laughs> subtle about it at all. I like that. I like that. That's a good way of looking at it. The direct-to-video sequel. Yeah. Hmm. Like, if this, if if the the Assassin's Creed was a was a film franchise, this would be the direct-to-video sequel starring Danny Trejo. Huh. I saw a theory going around, not with any sort of, you know, anything to back it up. You know, it's not like this is uh, something we know about. But the idea that maybe Rogue exists as sort of like an Assassin's Creed training wheels for, you know, some studio within Ubisoft, you know, as a way of saying, Mm -hmm. hey, we need a game for the previous generation of consoles. We're not going to make you build everything from scratch. Just here, use this template, you know, give us something back. 18 months from now and that that rogue could possibly reflect something along those lines which doesn't seem crazy to me no it doesn't and and again i'm not far enough in to really get a a, a hard judgment on it yet but it definitely seems like something you could have said here is literally everything we use to make this game recombine these assets into something uh that is that will be playable by people on on last gen consoles uh and you know thus far it is playable uh, the boat stuff, like, I was instantly <laughs> right back into it. Like, I was like, yes, I remember these boats. I remember how these boats work. And then I was I was just shooting shit with boats, and I was super happy. They added icebergs. That's a wrinkle, I sure. guess. You have, to, you have to shoot the icebergs so you don't crash into them. That's something. Ugh, yeah, I'm at the very, very end of, of Unity. I decided to spend... I was busy all Saturday... Um, and didn't get a chance to, to do much on Friday, but I spent uh, Sunday afternoon just missions, just main story missions in Unity, just plowing through it. I've I touched, I've done like one of all of the side missions just to get a flavor of them, and the murder mystery ones seem the most interesting, but they also seem not that interesting. Um, I I really liked some of the stories, like some of the stuff you would read in those murder mysteries. I did not actually like investigating them or doing the work that you were supposed to do in the game. Yes, because it largely just boils down to hit Eagle Vision, click on a bunch of stuff, don't even bother Run reading to another the text location. at the time that you find it. Just wait till you've collected all of the items, read through, you know, two or three pages versus stuff, and then, you know, accuse someone of, of murder. Right. Um, it's a really interesting concept. Like, oh, shoot. Uh-oh. Do you have to take this? Um, my replacement TV might be here. They're supposed to come oh, later. Okay. We're gonna pause this. 
Uh, we might come back in five I mean, minutes. I mean, I can just I can just talk for a couple of minutes okay. if, if you need do to. Do that. Do that. Go run. Go run. Well, this is going to be awkward because I never have to do this sort of thing. So we're just going to talk a little bit more about Assassin's Creed Unity, uh, or Rogue, rather. Um, the one thing I will say is that my initial impression of uh, our uh, our hero here, Shay Patrick Cormick, uh, not a huge fan. Uh, I haven't gotten a real great sense of what his, his, his deeper motivations are, but in the early goings, I have not been a big fan of the character. Uh, I've seen a lot of people who are Irish openly mock his accent. Um, I am not the sort of person who has enough familiarity with uh, Ireland or Irish accents to actually understand whether that is a bad one or not. I will simply say that the character, uh, more than anything else, is pretty goddamn annoying. Um, seems like a real whiner. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's exactly as much material as I've prepared for this. And now... I am stuck here on my own with no one else to help me do the heavy lifting here. Uh, looking for a cat. I know a cat came in here at some point, but I don't see where the cat is, so I can't I can't show you the cat, unfortunately. So that's yet another one that I can't do. Um I'll answer a couple questions. If you want to ask some questions in the chat here while uh, while I'm sitting here, I'll I'll try and get to them. Uh, Killer Combo asks, uh, do you think the move to the new office will be worthwhile, bigger things ahead? You know, I don't know. Um, we didn't exactly have a choice in the matter. It's, we got a new office, and they wanted to move everyone out of that building. So we had, you know, that's, that's just kind of what we had to do. We do have a space that will be our studio recording space. Um, we actually have cubicles now instead of just kind of desks in the, uh, in the control room that we had before. Uh, so I think that will be better having more a more designated workspace uh we'll see how the studio works out we have not had a real good chance to uh to experiment with that see what we can do in there uh we are in fact just moving in this week and the studio itself is not ready yet uh so that will be we will not really know exactly what kind of situation we're going to be in probably until we get back uh from california from doing game of the year discussions because that is around the time the studio should be ready. Vinny's going to take his time to put everything back together. And then we should be good to go. Let's see what else we got. Uh, da -da -da. Times Hero asks, have you heard anything about quests coming back to the site? No, I have not heard anything about that. Sorry. Fractology asks, how's Vinny been? Pretty good. Tired, but pretty good. Hey, Vinny's Patrick's great. back. Uh, yeah. Vinny's doing pretty great. We'll see... So, there's a red line in the middle of my TV. There's been one there for two weeks. <laughs> it mm. just appeared out of nowhere. Just a red line that goes right through the center. Um, oh! The red line that lets you know that doom is coming. It's terrible. I don't... Uh, now customer service is calling me. Okay, continue talking. I'll return and, and regale you with tales of my TV in a moment. Okay. We're doing this again. All right, great. Well, let's uh, let's dig out a few more questions and see what we got here. Uh, Snagmouth asked, Vinny and Alex podcast. When's that coming? Don't know. Uh, hopefully soon. Vinny and I have been talking about wanting to do that. Um, we're still kind of working out what the format's going to be. I think once we are settled in the new space, uh, we should be able to just sort of dive in on that whenever we want. So I'm going to say look for that like very early next year. That's probably what we're targeting for that. And now Patrick's back. Okay. Okay. So I have. Hi. 
confirm. Oh, I can't hear you. Oh, I'm back. There you uh, are. There I've you are. Confirmed with customer service that I will, I will be here. I guess we'll continue the show until they show up with the TV. They were just calling to confirm the appointment. But yeah, it's yeah. There's a red line to my TV, and it, it makes it annoying to do things on that TV. But <laughs> so I still have to do things on that TV. So I've just had to deal with it. Fair enough. Um. Well, unless you have anything else you want to go over, we should get to some of these questions that I collected from folks. Uh, yeah, I think we should do that. I answered a few questions while you were gone, so... Okay, well, I've got I've got some that I've got from uh, people that submitted uh, to my Tumblr, but uh, we can pull some others from the chat as well. We'll just... I will go until I get another phone call, and then that'll be the end of the show. Because um, then I'm going to have to go unplug my TV, so... All right. Let's see. ba 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 Mm-hmm. Nicholas Lachance says, Morning, Patrick. Question for you and Alex. What is your stance on innovation versus reusability? Kind of sad to say that even with all its reusage of assets, I'm having a blast playing Assassin's Creed Rogue. Oh, this is a very topical question. Uh, on the other hand, I feel like every new thing in Unity is a mess, and I cannot find a single feature being a positive for the franchise. Keep being awesome. From one of your favorites in Quebec, Nick. Wait, so what was the question? I mean, basically, I, I presented with Rogue and Unity. You know, Unity, which is a game that tries to do some new things, but basically fails. Rogue, which doesn't do a whole lot of new things, but hey, you liked that last one. You know, wh- yeah. how, how do you, for these annualized franchises, you know, do you, do you want to see stuff like Unity where they, they branch out and they might mess it up? Or... Are I you mean, happier I, with, with safer stuff like Rogue that's like, hey, you like those boats last year? Here's my boats. I mean, I don't mind the safer stuff for a little while. Like, I don't mind them making a couple of games out of the, the assets they took the time to build and, and working those out and, you know, hopefully refining those into, into better products. Like, that's that's fine. I don't mind that. But in general, I would say my preference is for them to be a little more experimental, to branch out more, to try different things. I don't necessarily agree that Unity tries that much that's different. It definitely does a few things that are different, but the, as a game, it is mostly kind of just feels like a much bigger version of the Assassin's Creed that we're all pretty well aware of. Um, but if that game had been a little bit... Like, the things that game does that are different uh, are generally good things. Um, even though you don't end up necessarily having to do them this way... The fact that assassination missions are a little more open-ended, I think, is a good thing. I just wish they would refine that design and make it a little bit, make the penalty, perhaps, for just running in and stabbing everyone a little harsher than it currently is. That's what I've done uh, for every single one of those. For the first two assassination missions, I explored all the side objectives, and then for the last four or five, I just run through the crowd, shoot the guy in the face, and then stab him and then escape. It's these missions that that seem like they're being set up for you to spend 45 minutes like exploring and planning. I spend five minutes in them before I'm done. (laughs) So they still have some shit to work out there. They're not there yet. But the idea behind them is a good one, and I would like to see them explore that more. The co-op stuff, I think, is a good idea, and I think it's probably the best, the most fleshed out part of that game. If they can work on that a little bit more, it could be pretty awesome. There are things there that I like that they're exploring, and I, I recognize that, unfortunately, they're not completely baked uh, in Unity, 
but I'd rather they were trying that stuff than just rely on the same shit every year because then you just end up with sports games and we all know how sports games are doing these days. Yeah. Let's see. Here's another, this is a good one for you. Um, Trent Easton asks, in a recent quick look, Jeff mentions he used to go out of his way to find bad games and play them because he enjoyed playing games that were so bad they wound up being funnily good. Do you have any memories of super bad games that wound up being fun or hilarious at the time or in retrospect? Fugitive Hunter, the budget game where the final boss is Osama Bin Laden and a rap song plays mm-hmm. in the background of the fight detailing the myriad of ways to beat him up, is my favorite of all time. I mean, look, but, you know, there's always big rigs. Mm-hmm. That is always there. That is always kind of there hovering above my head. Ever present. Like Omnipresent. the shittiest guardian angel that ever was. Um, trying to think of a couple other ones. I mean, Fugitive well, I mean, Hunter is a cop game. Yeah, Fugitive Hunter is a really good one. He picked like the oh yeah one of the best ones out of the the set of games you could really choose from in that category. That game is hysterical. Uh, that RoboCop game that I played, mostly just very bad, but there are some fairly hilarious parts in it. Um, there's a there's a game that Vinny and I quick looked uh, in the last several weeks uh, called I think. Something's like enforcer police something action. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the first really truly awful game that made me laugh harder than most anything I've played this year uh, that I've seen in a while because games like that don't seem to happen as much these days or if they do they happen so far into the background that no one notices them. Uh, that was an example of a game that just made me very happy that it existed even though it is fairly terrible as a game. I think also this year, you know, not to, I think he was asking maybe about some older games, but another one that comes to mind is Velvet Sundown. Oh, yeah. I think Velvet Sundown is a poorly made game, but yes, the parts that it does well, which is set up some quirky role-playing experiences, they're really fun and goofy, and it it straddles this incredibly strange line of being oddly compelling in the sense that they're clearly on to something there's an idea here that's amazing but yeah. i don't know if the game they set out to make is the game everyone's enjoying but i don't think that part matters as much right like so their their intent is something different than the outcome but their intent created something truly wonderful and the times i've watched you know like vinny or dave lang play velvet sundown it truly is one of my favorite experiences this year. Not, again, for the reasons they probably set out <laughs> for it to be my favorite game, but I have still had some of my most memorable experiences in 2014 have come from watching people play and engaging with Velvet Sundown. That's the thing, is that it's it's not a good game, but there is a certain ambition to it that is unlike most other bad games, which are usually just junky shovelware. Like, in this case, you can tell that these guys had this concept and they really believed in it, whether they just didn't have quite, you know, the the, 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 the refined skill set necessary to make it in, in a way that was good, or they just liked the budget, whatever. Whatever the case, the version of the game that came out is not especially good, but that germ of a good idea can still work so long as you let complete fucking lunatics play it. Because they are the ones who have sort of like, they have made accidental art out of this thing. It's like, it's it's breaking Madden-like in that it is all sort of in the hands of the player to make something beautiful out of it. 
versus just kind of letting it be this sort of boring, not really great thing that it that it otherwise would be. Well, yeah, it's it's funny, you know, because you know, when we think about like open world games, like Velvet Sundown may not be open world in that traditional sense of how we categorize it. You know, it's not this giant uh, playground with simulated traffic and pedestrians, but I mean, it's open world that gives the player enormous freedom to kind of do whatever they want, be whatever character they want. Like, the, the, the game sets up certain constructs, but then says, eh, I mean, you don't want to do that. You don't have to. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, Good stuff. that's, that's my vote on, on that one. Uh, let's see. Anonymous asks, uh, when Nintendo releasing an updated 3DS with faster processors but no other change, and it still plays old 3DS games, could Microsoft get away with doing the same thing? On a pure business decision, does Microsoft want to be the inferior console for the cycle? They've been reorganizing as a company. I get the feeling those in charge wish they could undo the mistakes of betting on a Kinect future. The Xbox Plus One Plus, closer than we think. Thanks, Fatrobot. Oh, he gave his name at the end. Um, I sincerely doubt that we are going to get a upgraded Xbox. Uh, I, you know, there are, there are obviously, you know, a difference in hardware potential between the Xbox and, and the PS4. That gap will probably close, you know, a little bit as the the generation goes on. But you know, I think it's going to be similar to, you know, the PS3 and the the Xbox 360, in which, you know, in in certain cases, the PS3 is going to be able to continue, or the PS4 is going to be able to continue to perform better than the Xbox One. Um, I would argue that, you know, Microsoft has more potential in software library than Sony has in software library. If you start removing the indie games that have flooded. Uh, PSN, which you can't entirely discount those, but <clears throat> if we're talking about you know sort of first-party output um, and things like that, so I think Microsoft can make up a lot of ground software-wise, and clearly they've made some substantial changes on the hardware front and the price front to try and uh, close the gap in terms of mind share. But I think the 3DS is substantially different because my running theory is that the the new 3DS and then the recent comments from Nintendo that the Wii U isn't going anywhere is the new 3DS exists because whatever Nintendo is doing next requires the Wii U and the 3DS to kind of disappear at the same time. The transition yeah. will occur as a result of both of those pieces of hardware being sunsetted, and they have to extend the 3DS's life cycle by another two years at least. And the new 3DS buys them some time to to bridge that gap and do, to do more ambitious games on the 3DS when they might otherwise be thinking about what the next generation of, of handheld hardware is. But, you know, if theoretically they're going to go to a hybrid or, or something like that, I think they're going to want to do it at the same time. And the new 3DS affords them that opportunity. And that's and that makes sense. And, you know, I think that they, given that the, the relative stranglehold they have on the handheld market, they shouldn't have much trouble, you know, keeping the 3DS lifespan uh, relatively profitable for however long they have to. My question is the Wii U, not because I don't like what's been you know coming out on this system. It's that there's not a whole lot that they've announced beyond this year. There's like Yoshi and there's that Kirby game. And then eventually there's a Zelda, I guess. But what else is there? Like after after 2014 comes to a close, how much does Nintendo actually have lined up for that system? And is any of it third party? Because as far as I can tell, none of it is third party. Uh, I mean, they'll they'll have the staples. I there'll guess be, there's that Splatoon game too. There's Splatoon. There, there'll be a new Star Fox. There'll be a new Zelda. I'll be surprised if they just hold Metroid till whatever's next. You know, that's they've been dangling the prospect of a new Metroid for so long. 
I suppose they could try and close out the Wii U with a brand new Metroid game, but I also wouldn't be completely shocked if they hold that for another, you know, two, three years and just have that be some sort of flagship way to get people psyched about, you know, buying another piece of hardware uh, a couple of years from now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to end up being, a you know, a GameCube-esque machine um, in, in which there are going to be a handful of, of games that are going to make you happy you bought it um, and that people that buy it later are going to be psyched to get so many great games at <laughs> for such cheap prices. Um, but they're not going to be able to turn the ship around on the Wii U. That's just not going to happen. They, they can probably maybe turn a profit on it so that it, they can kind of dull the bleeding. But, you know, the 3DS is the moneymaker. The 3DS is what's going to keep them afloat going forward. And I think that's why they're, you know, that's why Smash Brothers showed up on the 3DS first. You know, they, they know where they need to make the money. And the money is on the yeah. 3DS. And, you know, then we'll see where we're at in you know, 2016, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we start hearing rumblings about what's going on with Nintendo by the end of next year. And then, you know, maybe E3 2016 is when we start hearing about what exactly they, they pivot to. Um, but I, I think that all happens at once. Uh, God, who was it? Someone just mentioned uh, a game that I had almost completely forgotten about, and I feel terrible about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mario Maker, for God's sakes. Yeah. Remember that game? Yeah. Well, I feel like I, I, they have just forgotten to remind us of that game since E3. I think it was incredibly clear based on what they were showing at E3 that they were showing us maybe all of it that they had. Um, or that, that was a very, it was a proof of concept that they were committing to making a full game out of. Um, and I think the next time we see that, hopefully it's going to be a much more fleshed out idea than just, yeah. isn't it cool to make Mario levels? Like, yeah, but that might only be cool for a, like an hour. So yeah. we'll see what happens from there. My guess is that's you know one of the flagship games at next year's E3. Like I think that I think Mario Maker is going to be one of the big games next fall, especially because it's not going to be a huge shock if Zelda somehow slips out of next Christmas. You know they even yeah. when Nintendo should be rushing their stuff out, they don't. Which, as frustrating as that is, it's also kind of admirable. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, say it, you know, I say it again. I, I say all this with love because I, I've kind of grown to love my Wii U. Mm-hmm. I would just if that if that thing's going to stick around, they they really need to get some more stuff onto it because the current like one game every three months schedule they have right now is not is not doing a whole lot for me. No. And while Mario Kart DLC every six months uh, is not something I will necessarily complain about, it'd be nice if they were they were a little faster with some of that post release support if that's what they're going to do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, D. Gray guy says, "Hey, Scoops and Alex, love you guys as well as the rest of the Giant Bomb staff. I long, I've long wanted to be part of the games press journalism, and I've decided that I wanted to get off my lazy ass and write my first game review, Sunset Overdrive. I just got it, and I'm really enjoying my time with it. My question for you two is: What was the first game you reviewed, and what made you think that specific game to be your first? Thanks in advance if you answer this. I would really appreciate it. I don't know what the first game is that I reviewed." Yeah, this this is a, a muddy question for me because there are a few different firsts for me. There was my first review I ever wrote anywhere. There was my first published review, and then there was my first review as a member of the GameSpot staff, which were all three different things. Um, my first review for the GameSpot staff was a sequel to... And this, this would be a dark portent of things to come. Uh, it was a sequel to a console port of a Sega trucking arcade game uh, I forget what the original game was called, but the, the oh. one that... Uh, 
I the remember one that came the... out. The, the one that I reviewed was called like the King of Route 66. It was for yeah. like GameCube and Xbox and and PlayStation 2. Um, it was not the worst game in the world. I think I gave it like a, a six or a five or something. It was it was pretty middling, but that was the worst. Uh, before that, I did some some review writing for CNET Game Center before uh, CNET bought Ziff Davis or bought the the game sites from Ziff Davis. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the very the very first one I think I reviewed was a Simon and Schuster interactive PC game. Uh, Simon and Schuster, maker of numerous terrible comedy games. Uh, this was called Last Call, which was a bartending simulation that was meant to be humorous, was very much not so, was really only useful because it had a lot of drink recipes in it. Uh, and that was pretty much it. I don't remember what I scored it. It was not very high. My first review ever, that I don't remember. It was probably some N64 game. It was for a publication that I think never actually existed. It was something that a friend of mine who was a games writer got a bunch of his friends to write reviews for, and then I don't think those reviews ever ended up anywhere where anyone could read them and but it was probably for some n64 game like space station silicon valley or something yeah i don't i you know i've have reviewed games over the course of my career but it's never been my explicit focus i've uh, you know i always had a uh, it turned my eye to news and reporting and features and things like that so i don't i don't remember what my first review was i, I have a memory of i used to be obsessed with the tenchu games the, sort of mm. the Ninja Games on PS1 from... Was that from software? Was that who was making? <sighs> Tenchu... I don't know who made those games. Yeah, uh, from yes, software. From software made at least some of them. Yeah. Um, so I was... Yeah, I really, really enjoyed those early uh, stealth-focused uh, uh, Tenchu games on, on the PS1. I remember writing about that for, you know, whatever crappy website I was building on, on GeoCities. Uh, my first paid review, I feel like I should remember what that is, and I don't, but I had a long legacy of reviewing licensed stuff for a bunch of publications, like GameSpy and um, 1UP and whoever, you know, like kind of in the, the Ziff Davis network of publications would pay me. I would happily review whatever the new Harry Potter or Scooby-Doo game was because at the time when... Uh, there was more money to be made uh, in reviewing and writing about games or, ra or rather I should say there were more publications had more money to spend is, is more the, the critical factor uh, you would get so like if you reviewed let's say Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets on PS2 um, you would get paid <clears throat> let's say 150 bucks for the main review and even though the game the games were equivalent identical on the other platforms, Xbox, GameCube, PC, let's say, uh, mm -hmm. you because they were being published in different sections of that website, you'd get paid like 50 bucks just because they were being published in that other area. They, they counted as a separate review, but they weren't going to pay you full price for the, the review, so you weren't going to get paid. I, I, I definitely remember working out some of these freelance right? rates very similar to that at various times. Uh, so I always, because I was in college at the time, was like, hey, give me whatever crap no one else wants to review especially if it's licensed stuff because the licensed stuff was always on a million platforms so that was my yep. my key was I'll review this crappy game but then I'm going to get paid way more than I would have gotten paid for some game that I would have been excited of playing uh, and also those licensed games are usually pretty short, short so uh, you just kind of yeah you're lucky if you get like four hours out of those things exactly so that's that's how I paid for pictures of beer in college 
so that's yeah I can't remember my first game but that's that was like my first like long series of actual reviews was was just reviewing whatever the crappiest stuff was possible it worked out pretty oh, well oh you know what speaking of the crappiest stuff possible I do I do now remember what the first N64 review I wrote was okay. Glover oh wow yeah fucking Glover I think Glover is in my N64 that's in this room somewhere oh no shit uh, yeah one of my friends that's not got a very it. good game one of my friends got it that's from not me. a good like game a birthday gift it's like a gag gift wow fucking Glover man bad game I think yeah it was not good I mean Glover was a pretty shitty mascot hero to begin with I mean it, it's like you were playing an entire game based around the hamburger helper mascot yeah but it was also a pretty crappy platformer yeah oof Glover Glover all right, let's see. Harris Foster, how is the industry feeling about PAX South? From what I've heard, most developers and press people are unsure whether they're going to attend or at the breaking point for too many conventions. Um, I can say that there will be some members of the Giant Bomb staff at PAX South, current plans, how that will work out being determined, but... Uh, there will be uh, some of us uh, in attendance at PAX South. So look forward to that. I, I know things like panels are being worked out and figured out. But, uh, yeah, more generally speaking, I, I feel like this comes up every time there's a new – I guess PAX is the easiest one to talk about. But uh, it's like, oh, are you going to that one? Oh, you know where I am going. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the door because there's someone at my door. And I think that's my TV. So – Okay, uh, I'm gonna so talk a little it. bit about that. Is that is the morning show? Okay. I'd let you just close it out, but you can't hit stop broadcast on this, so I have You're to right. hit stop broadcast. So we have to call this one. We will be back on Friday. Sorry for the shorter show. We'll uh, try and get some other questions in on Friday, but uh, Alex, I will see you on Friday. Enjoy your new TV. Thank you. <laughs>